Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. Hey, good morning, everyone. My name's John Eshelman, and, or you can call me Esh, uh, or John, or John Eshelman. All those work. Uh, and Boog asked me to share with you guys this morning, and I'm excited to share with you guys. Uh, my hope is to just to be present to you in this moment, and uh, thank you, Chris, for sharing. That was beautiful. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to be here. I wanted to uh, tell you a story uh, about snow. Did anybody experience the snow last, like it was like last week, last weekend? It was like New Year's time. Did anybody see the snow? Raise your hand, nod your head, saw the snow. It was kind of hard to miss. Uh, it was so low. It came down so low. Like I heard it snowed in Cota de Caza. It snowed in uh, Rancho Santa Margarita. So it like snowed in Orange County, which was like a big deal, right? There's this, like global warming is real, you guys. Uh, and because <laughs> I've lived here most of my life and I've seen Saddleback, you know, it gets caked every once in a while. Sometimes it gets like really white at the top. But I've never seen it come all the way down to where it's like people are sledding in Santa Margarita on their boogie boards. That was crazy. And we had, uh, my wife and I, Anna, we had just purchased a minivan. Uh, So, yeah, for those of you that have minivans, you're with me in there. And uh, so we just purchased a minivan, and I'm looking at, you know, you kind of wake up, and you're just like, oh, you like, check your phone, what's going on? Oh, my goodness, people are sledding. Uh, in Santa Margarita. And I'm thinking, we need to do that. That is what we're doing today. Because uh, these people have Instagrammed some amazing pictures, and I want to Instagram an amazing picture of my family. I've got two little girls, two and four years old, and we're going to have a snowball fight, and I'm going to, you know, they're going to go off little jumps and all things, you know. Uh, well, we set out in our new minivan, not new, new to us, and uh, and we go, I'm like, well, let's just go out to Ortega, you know, that's, there's going to be some snow out there. So we head out there and 15 minutes out, it's like road closed, right? So they turn you around, like, I don't even know if even residents could get back there, but there's like, they just blocked it. There's cops, there's all kinds of work crews and it's, there's no, none shall pass kind of thing. And so we turn around and I'm thinking, well, we're not done. We're getting to snow today. I've seen the pictures on my phone. People are doing it, and we are going to do it too. And so we head out the toll road. Like Someone posted a picture of like Silverado Canyon. So I'm like, let's go out to Silverado Canyon. So we drive all the way out to Silverado Canyon, and road closed. They turn us around, send us back. And I'm like, well, let's like, we can't give up. Like, it's right there. You're like, it's so low, and it's like right there, and we have to get to it. And I'm like, Majeska, I've heard, you know, Majeska's got, Canyon has got some snow. They've have to, so we drive through these, like, really cool little, like, you know, bridges over these little streams and creeks, and it's all quiet, and there's beautiful little houses out there and places I, like, rarely ever see. It's like, wow, this is like the farm. This is like the country out here, and it's like 30 minutes from where I live, you know, in the burbs. And, uh, we get all the way to the top there, and there's like this nature center and parking area, and there's no parking. 
And I'm like, oh, the snow is right there. It's just like right. And if you saw it, it was like so low and there was so much of it. And we could see it on the houses, but there was no place to play. There was no place to sled. And so I'm like, let's, let's not give up, babe. Like, we're going to keep going. And so we go back down the whole Majeska Canyon thing. And, and the kids now are starting to, like, melt down, right? This is like, it's getting to be lunchtime, and they're starting to lose it. And my wife is, like, alerting me to this. Like, we need to get the kids fed, and we need to get them to their nap. And I'm thinking, we need to get to snow, like, we're getting to snow. Like, we have one goal today, and it's to get to snow and to play and take a great picture and show it to everybody. And, and uh, so I'm getting, like, bugged. I'm getting really upset. And, and the kids are upset because they're two and four years old, and they want food, and they want to sleep. And, and Anna's just kind of bearing with me, like, oh, okay, like, well, where do we go now, you know? And I'm like, let's just, you know, let's just go home. We failed. You know, we didn't find snow. We, you know, I'm looking at pictures of people are in snow, and I, we can't get to the snow, you know. And I'm just, like, upset. And I throw, like, a grown-up temper tantrum. Uh, so I'm so upset at this point, and Anna's kind of like, hey, like, we got to see some beautiful houses, and there's beautiful scenery around here. And I'm like, I want snow in my hands. I want to be on the boogie board going down the hill you know, the whole thing. Like, I want it all. And, uh, and she says, but this has been great. Like, we've got to drive our van around. It's, you know, it's new to us. And we've had this great adventure. And I'm like, no. And so I excuse myself from the vehicle. Uh, you know, I do, I pull off one of these, like, grabbing for the handle at, like, 45 miles an hour. Like, I'm getting, let me out, let me out, let me out. Like, I need snow. Like, there's a little bit right there or something, you know. And so she pulls over, and I get out of the minivan. She's driving. So uh, I get out, and I leave my phone and everything, and I've just got, like, my jacket, and I close the door, and I just start walking in the other direction. And now I'm that guy. I'm on the side of the road. She drives away. (laughs) And uh, I'm like, okay, here I am. I'm on the side of the road in the canyon, and I'm now that guy that his purpose in life is to find snow in Orange County. And I'm just like, what if this is it? This is it forever. I will wander the streets looking for snow. And I'll be by myself. And there won't be this. The boogie board is in the car. And uh, no kids with this thing. And I'm just like, but I'm, I'm fuming. And uh, it just all starts to like sink in. Like, ah, oh, I've made a, a huge mistake here. <laughs> right? Uh and my wife circles back around, and I pretend not to see her, of course, but I'm like, out of the corner of my eye, I'm like, well, there she goes. She's going to turn around again and come get me. And uh, after my tantrum has, like, sort of subsided a little bit, and so she pulls over to the side of the road, gets out of the car, and I'm just kind of like, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm angry and because uh, I didn't get to see snow. Let's all keep it in perspective here. This is a big deal. <laughs> and... Uh, she just says, what's, what's wrong? And, uh, and I'm thinking, like, you've been with me, right? We've, we, we couldn't find snow. Like, that's what's wrong. Right? We, I wanted snow. We didn't get snow. It's pretty simple. Like, that's what's wrong. But I didn't, I didn't say that. I was just like, ah, you know, I don't know. But something's wrong, right? Something deeper 
is going on in that moment that leads me to like want to leap out of my car at 45 miles an hour because I didn't get to play in the snow at 37 years old. There's something wrong. Something's going on. And I'm, I've been sitting with that for a couple weeks or a week or two uh, because I've been facing these sort of situations that lead me to that kind of reaction. And so maybe there's been something in your life that was small, but there was just this large reaction that you had. Uh, or you were facing something that you couldn't, you couldn't solve, you couldn't resolve, you couldn't handle, and it pushed you to want to disconnect, to check out, to fight, whatever it is, to, to just drink a certain beverage, to go to sleep, to whatever it is for you that you face where you're like, I cannot deal with this. <laughs> I've got I've to remove myself from this situation. I can't face it any longer. And I want to know what's going on there. And so I want to talk about that this morning. If you have a Bible or need one, we have a couple up here. But if you have a Bible, please open to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. In this chapter, we're going to be talking a little bit about, uh, we're going to be talking about Jesus towards the end of his life. So if you're not familiar with Jesus, you got to come to a lot more services. <laughs> you got to read this. But uh, Jesus uh, is what brings us here together this morning, and I, I love that. We're going to be talking about the end of his life, and let me just set the scene for you a little bit. Jesus was a Jew. Uh, he was a rabbi, and he had some followers, some disciples, and towards the end of his life, they attend this feast, this holiday festival, sort of Jewish Super Bowl holiday. It's like, you know, it, this is the, the granddaddy Jewish holiday, the Passover, okay, to commemorate when God saved his people and, uh, and, and spared the Jews. And, and so they're celebrating this feast, and and in the evening, during the Passover meal, this meal that they do to commemorate this, this event that, that happened, Jesus takes this bread and he breaks it and he says, this is like my body and it's going to be broken for you. And then he, he takes this cup and, and it's, it's this wine and he, he says, this is like my blood and that's going to be poured out for you. And if you're on the Jesus team, you're going, wait, what? Like... <laughs> we're on the winning team here, right? You know, like, you're, you're the man. Like, we've seen you raise people from the dead. We've seen you heal blind people. We've seen you do, walk on water. We've seen some pretty amazing things. What do you mean? Like, the, the, like it's over? You're going to die? Like, that's not, that's not what we signed up for. Uh, so this is the things that he's saying. And then in, he, at one point, Jesus says, you're all going to fall away. You're all going to just, you're all going to desert me. It says they're going to they're going to strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. It says in verse twenty seven and and I I imagine that at this point this is not like the pump up speech for your team. Like guys, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to conquer the sins of the world and overcome death and everything else. It's like it's going to get ugly, <laughs> guys. We're we're going to lose. We're all going to lose here. And you're all going to fall away. You're all going to desert me. And then they, he gets into this little talk with Peter, one of his main guys. 
And he says, Peter, you're going to fall away too. And Peter says, no, 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 no. All these other guys, they might, but I'm going to stick with you. And he says, actually, you're going to deny me three times before sunrise. You know? And Peter says, no, 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 no. Even if I have to die, I'll never disown you. And uh, all the other guys chime in like, oh, yeah, us too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even if we have to die, you know, well, we would never disown you. They, they kind of just all, all the others said the same, it says in verse 31. Uh, so I was just thinking about that is the scene as we get into our passage, uh, which is going to start in verse 32. So this is, that's what's happened. Now we start in verse 32. He takes them to this, it says they went to a place called Gethsemane, uh, which is just across the valley from the Temple Mount. And, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. Uh, which is nice. Like, he's not asking them to pray. You know, I've, I've been asked to pray on these all-night prayer vigils. And it's got to be about one in the morning for them at this time. It's like a warm evening, I'm sure. And it's late. And they've, you know, the adrenaline is kind of starting to drop. And they're getting tired. And it's one in the morning. Hey, come on. Let's go. Let's keep going. And you're like, man, really? <laughs> Okay, so they get to this garden. Sit here while I pray. Okay, Jesus is going to do the praying. Sweet. Okay, he took, and then it says, he took Peter, James, and John along with him and began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And then these are Jesus' words. Uh, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Uh, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And I just wonder for anyone here, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever just felt like, I cannot handle this. I'm in distress. I need help. I'm overwhelmed to the point of death. Now we live in a we live in a society and in a culture where our main disease, our main killers are like stress and anxiety and heart disease and these things, like that's what kills us around here. Not like we're starving or we don't have enough shelter or uh, we're attacked by wild animals. It's like we die of stress and anxiety and heart disease and, you know, we shut down because we're overwhelmed, right? And so Jesus gets to this point. He gets to this point. And I just want to like interject something here. If you've grown up in the church, if you've been in a situation where it was tough, where you're facing some kind of unresolvable suffering, some kind of issue or problem where you're like, I I don't know how this is going to work. And someone in the church or a pastor or someone said to you, well, what you need to do is really just spend more time in the Word, listen to some more worship songs, Uh, get more quiet time, Uh, what you really, you know, if you would just have more faith, if you would just trust God, if someone said that to you, that, I am sorry. That's, That's toxic kind of thinking. Because if Jesus can get to this point, I think it's okay that we get to that point sometimes. Oh, Jesus, if you just had more faith. (laughs) If you just spent more time in solitude. (laughs) Listening to the Father. You know? 
I mean, at one point Jesus says, I only say what I hear the Father saying. I only do what I, what I see the Father telling me to do. Yet he comes to this point where he's at the edge of his capacity and he's like, I'm, I feel like I'm going to die. I'm just in distress. We would say, I'm stressed out. But Jesus is sending out a distress call. They're very different, right? And he says to them, stay here and keep watch. Stay here and keep watch. And then going a little further, he fell to the ground. Jesus falls to the ground and prayed that, if possible, the hour might pass from him. But then we get to his actual words. It says right here, Abba, Father, Daddy, Papa. He says, everything's possible for you. Take this cup from me. And cup represents all that he's about to endure of taking on the sin of all of mankind that has ever lived, that will ever live, to take on the curse of death itself and to overcome it. If it was just my sin, it'd be enough to like really bring you down. <laughs> but this is like all of mankind. Uh, he says, take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And then I want to get to this question, because I have all kinds of questions for Jesus. I have all kinds of questions for God. Maybe you came in here with something in your life this morning where you're like, why is this happening to me? And you have a question for God, and I have questions for God, but I want to look at one of his for us this morning. It says, he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? And I just had like this vision of like my dad and I when we would be watching a game late at night and uh, he'd just, you know, be checked, he'd be out and just catching flies, just, you know, and, and I'd, hey dad, dad, are you asleep? He's, oh, I was, I was just praying. I was just, I was, and the Lord and I were spending some time together and I was like, uh-huh. Yeah, I only imagine what Peter might have said in that, but we don't have any of Peter's words here. But uh, Jesus says, could you not keep watch for one hour? And then he says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Or the, the spirit is willing, or the, but the flesh is weak. We hear, we hear that sometimes. Uh, watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. And I was struck by this because I'm like, what temptation is he talking about? There's no internet at this time, so... Peter's not like going on the internet. There's no late night Krispy Kreme runs going on. There's not like a pub that's open down the street. There's no electricity. What is the temptation? You ever thought about that? I mean, I've read this all my life. I read the story, you know, over and over again. And then I see, wait, oh, not fall into temptation. Who of you that came here this morning didn't realize it was going to be a good idea to pray that you don't fall into temptation? That can't be what he, like, that's it, right? Like, what we're going to look at is this passage about how we should pray to not fall into temptation. <laughs> Just softball pitch. It's too easy, right? Like, that, there's got to be something more, right? Or that's it. Hey, today's message, pray that you don't fall into temptation. Let's close in prayer. It can't be, there's got to be something in here, right? There's got, what is the temptation? It says, once more he went away and prayed the same thing. And when he came back, 
he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They didn't know what to say to him. Then returning the third... Well, let's look right. They did not know what to say to him. And last month was a tough month. I'm going on another tangent here. I realize like when I preach two services, they're very different. (laughs) Uh, But last month was a tough month. And two of two of my very close friends went through uh, tragic miscarriages. Uh, one of a, a dear friend was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, another dear friend lost his wife. Um, and all these happened within like a two-week time period where I was just like, oh, this is awful. This is terrible tragedy, uh, one after the other. And it's those times where you face that kind of unsolvable suffering where you cannot fix it. There's nothing I can do. But yet you go to these people and you're like, is there anything I can do? And, or, or there's just no words. You're like, I don't, I don't have words. And I'm wondering if that's a little bit like what the disciples and Jesus were in that. Jesus, is, it says he was sweating drops of blood. He's grieved to the point of death. This is the guy who created life, holds it in his hands. The author of life itself is grieved. I mean, this is his humanity coming out like we've never seen in some sense. And, and he's just like, ah, oh, I'm facing death. And, and his friends are like, what, is there anything we can do? No, Right? And Jesus says, like, are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? No, you can't drink this cup. This is, you can't. But he does ask them to do one thing. <laughs> stay here. Like, keep watch. Just stay awake. Stay awake. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting enough? The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. And I I look at that. You know what the disciples couldn't do in the face of Jesus' unsolvable suffering? They could not remain relationally connected to him. They couldn't do it. And in some sense, we're built this way. Okay? Like, biologically, we're built this way. And I think that's why he says the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. Because right behind, in the middle of your, four inches back of your forehead is your limbic system in the middle of your brain. And that limbic system has these reactions called fight or flight. You hear about this kind of stuff. Like, it's the, it's the thing that releases the adrenaline, like, so you can run from a bear or you can lift tremendously heavy objects off of people that are being crushed. Or, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that system that kicks into gear, right? And it releases all this adrenaline and it, heads into your medulla oblongata, which is your autonomic nervous system, and you just react, okay? That's what your body wants to do. So you hear about guys that are uh, in, at war, and they have a moment when they've been taken up in the chopper, uh, and they're p- being pulled out of the fight, and they've wrapped their arm around like some strap, and they've got a, a gun in their hand, and they just fall asleep in the chopper. Because all of a sudden, all the adrenaline, all of that, and they just crash, right? So you're with Jesus at the Super Bowl of religious holidays, and he's just said, 
it's all going down. I'm going to be betrayed. This is going to happen. My body's going to be broken. My blood's going to be poured out for you. And they're, keep watch. Here we go. And they're just like, it's one in the morning. And I don't think I can stay in this with you. It's too much. The temptation, a lot of the time, is to check out. I cannot handle this. So I disconnect relationally, either from a loved one, which leaves them suffering on their own, or from Jesus, which leaves you feeling really alone. And it's tempting because why? Why is it tempting? Apart from the biological piece. Because we want life to work out. We want life to work the way we want it to work. I wanted to find snow. It was so simple. A friend of mine just recently told a story uh, that his son had this idea that sometimes we have all these emotions, all these demands, all these things that are upon us, all these experiences that we're trying to handle, all these different, uh, you know, feelings, and, and we haven't resolved them, and it's like, but we want life to work the way we want it, and so it's like we're taking all of that, and it's like a giant, really buoyant ball that we're just pushing down into the water and holding it there, and the further we just push it down and hold it in the way we want it, the faster it's going to come up and hit us in the face and hurt us. And so I've got all these things going on in my life that all of a sudden I'm finding myself on a road in Santa Margarita and the ball comes up and I'm like, ah, I'm going to jump out of this car because I can't find snow. There's this temptation to want life to work the way we want it to work. And I would argue that that's totally normal. If you want life to work out, that's normal. And understandable and okay and acceptable. Because Jesus himself gets to this point. Read the words. Take this from me. That's what he says. There's got to be another way. I do not want this. What is it that you faced that you cannot resolve and you've brought it to God and you're like, I don't want this. See, his response isn't always my response. My response was to jump out of the car. His response was, yet not what I want, but what you want. I have a hard time like getting all that all the way back to snow with that. Like, Lord... Do you really want me to be in the snow? I don't think he really cares if I'm in the snow or not. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, Not what I want, but what you want. Not what I will, but what you will. Okay? That's that's, That's his response. But my temptation is to continue to try to make it work out. And that becomes like idolatry. I will work and work and work and sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice to make it work the way I want it to work. So I'm sacrificing my family just to try and get to snow, and nobody's having a good time at this point. But take it a step further. I want my kids to behave a certain way. Okay? 
So I will, these kids that I will tell you that I would lay down my life for my kids, in the next moment I will take an emotional toll on these little children because I just want them to be quiet. I just want them to come over here and put on their shoes. You know, there's like these little moments where you're, if you would just, and you're trying to control it. And so you sacrifice them because of how you want it to look. And so we ended up on our snow journey of, I finally calmed down. We tried one more time. No luck. We, I gave in. I said, let's just go home. It's okay. And as we're driving home, we see this beautiful little like turnout with uh, a beautiful view of the snow and all the mountains and everything. And I'm like, let's just take a picture. <laughs> so if you want to really remember this time. Uh, and so we all get out of the car and it is freezing. Like the wind is whipping through the canyon and it's cold. Like you remember those days if you were there, it was down in the 30s. So that's cold for us like Californians, right? For you, those of you that come from colder climates, you're like, yeah, I was in my shorts. We were golfing, yeah, whatever. Uh, so it was cold and my kids are like, you know, like just their faces are showing and they're in their big old jackets and we get out of the car and we stand next to like the side of the road and we ask this man to take a picture and his family's yelling from in the car like, close the door, it's freezing, you know, like, so they close their door and he's like, oh, I'm taking pictures, he's like, I love to take pictures and he starts, and so I'm smiling, my kids are like, it's too cold, it went on my face, you know, and, and I'm like, no, Paige, look, 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 you know, and, and there's this beautiful scenery behind us and I'm just, afterwards, I'm like, what am I doing? I can't post this. I was going to post some kind of lie. Because I'm so caught up, I'm so tempted to, to have life work out the way I want it to work out. That I will sacrifice to make that happen. I wasn't about to hashtag, like, hashtag, I, I jumped out of the car and we didn't ever actually find snow and it was miserable for my family, you know. That wasn't in there. I didn't post that. But that's the temptation. You know, back in the, in, in the ancient times, they had uh, gods that were kind of localized. So in Egypt, they had the Egyptian gods, and in Canaan, they had the Canaanite gods, and, and their gods, one of their gods was Baal. And so Baal was like this bull figure. He was powerful, and he could make your crops grow. So you would sacrifice to Baal, and Baal would make your crops grow, and you, life would work out the way you would want it to work out. Or they had Asherah, and who, and who was this fertility god, and you would do certain things, and then you could get pregnant and have boys or girls, you know, and you could multiply, and that was a good thing you needed to produce and reproduce. And so uh, what happens now, though, is we continue to do that sort of thing. We treat God sometimes like this genie, like, oh, God, just fix this because, and this is the hard point that I want to make, I think sometimes we desire functionality over love. We just want our lives to function. And so we come to God and say, just fix this. What are you doing up there? <laughs> Fix this. And then I'll like rearrange my life in ways that I think might please you. 
you know, fix this and then I'll do like 30 minutes of quiet time in the morning or then I'll stop yelling at my kids or then I'll stop, you know, looking at this stuff on the internet or then I'll stop doing, you know, just fix this thing. Because we just want our lives to function. And we're not all that interested in the relationship that Jesus has come to offer. Because Jesus doesn't come to fix your life necessarily. He comes to be with you and to love you. Those are the promises that he makes. I will be with you and I love you. Because we, as Jesus identifies with us in our sorrow and in our grief, there has to come a point where we have to be open to the fact that he just may say no. This cup cannot pass from you. But I will be with you. And I won't leave you. And I love you. But honestly, if we're honest with ourselves sometimes, we're like, just fix it. Just fix this. I'm tired. I don't care if you're actually with me. Whatever. Just make my life the way I want it to be. Are you with me? Nothing exists in this world that can take away all your problems. There's always, it's broken. Until this world is completely healed, there's going to be brokenness. And you will experience that. But he promises to be with you in it. You know, the only one that, like, you've never been alone. You thought you were alone. But because of the promises of Jesus, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never abandon you. You have never been alone. You have felt alone, but you've never actually been alone. Jesus, everyone abandoned him. Everyone. I would argue he's the only one that knows what it's like to be completely alone as he looked up to God the Father and said, even you? Why have you abandoned me? And he went through that so that you never have to. The disciples fell asleep. Biologically, they couldn't do it. Physically, they couldn't do it. Emotionally, I don't think they could do it. Spiritually, I'm sure they wanted to do it. I want to close with just a couple, couple stories. One comes from John chapter 1. I should open it up in my Bible. John chapter 1. Jesus uh, is just coming onto the scene. And John the Baptist uh, Jesus' cousin has kind of been preparing things, helping people get ready. And John the Baptist sees Jesus and he says to his followers, hey, there he is. That's the one. He's the one. He's going to take away the sins of the world. And so these two followers that we think might be Andrew and John who wrote the gospel, they are like, well, if he's the one, we should go with him. So they start literally following him. They start following Jesus physically. Like, a, like some kind of celebrity stalker. I, don't, I, I mean, like you're at an airport and you kind of see something. They're like, I think that's, and you just kind of follow them. And like, like they're going to come talk to you or something. Like, oh, hey, I saw you following me. Like, you know. 
you know who I am, don't you? Uh, They just start following him. And Jesus kind of notices it. So it says, uh, verse 37 in chapter 1, when the two disciples heard him say this, John saying, that's the guy, they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Or maybe your translation says, what are you looking for? And let's just stop there. (laughs) The creator of heaven and earth. The one who holds life in his hands. The one who is responsible for the breath you're about to take and the one you just took. Turns around and looks you in the eye and says, what do you want? Snow? Can't be that small. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? You want life to work out the way you want it to work out. Is that, is that what you're looking for? Is it an endless sum of money? Is it healing for a relative or for yourself? Is it a restored relationship? What are you looking for? Fame, glory, power, peace. The Hebrews had this word shalom, this wholeness, this peace, this. What are you looking for? And I love it because these disciples, they get it like right at the beginning. Even though they all end up abandoning him at the beginning, they make the right decision and they ask him a question. Where are you staying? It's a, they say. Uh, it's like this like sort of backhanded Hebrew way of just saying, uh, well, we want to be wherever you are. We want to be relationally connected to you. Wherever it is that you're going, we need to know because that's where we want to be. We want to be awake. And Jesus has this great response. Come, and you will see. And John wrote his gospel a little later, so I, think, I like to think that he really put some time into choosing, really remembering what Jesus had said in these moments. Come. And you will see. You want to know what you're looking for? Come. And you will see. You want to know what you want? Come. And you will see. But are you asleep? It's real hard to get anywhere while you're sleeping. There's a story of a, a rabbi, Rabbi Akiva, centuries ago, as he was leaving the school of study to walk back to his home, the path forked and it was sunset and he was kind of lost in his thoughts of what he'd been studying and thinking about throughout the day. So he just kept going and missed the fork in the path that took him to his home. And eventually he comes upon a building and it's late at night, it's, it's, it's dark at this point, And he hears this voice saying, who goes there? And he's sort of stunned, like, who's, who's at my house? <laughs> he thinks he's arrived at his home. And he's, who, who is this person calling f- for me from my own house? And uh, the voice comes again before he can say any, anything. And he says, and the, the voice says, 
Who are you and what are you doing here? And he's, he's looking and all of a sudden this centurion steps out into, the, into, into view and he can see that he's at a Roman outpost, not at his home. And he realizes his mistake and this centurion repeats, who are you and what are you doing here? And the rabbi just looks at him and he says, how much do they pay you to stand here? And the centurion is sort of puzzled and he says, three drachma a day. And he says, I will double that if you will come to my house and stand outside my door and ask me those same questions every day. Who are you and what are you doing here? What do you want? Our temptation is we want life to work out the way we want it to work out. And Jesus is saying, don't pray that you don't fall into that temptation. Because what it's going to lead to is you falling asleep and being disconnected. Because is it that you want functionality or do you want love? And they're not always mutually exclusive. Sometimes things work out and you're relationally connected. Sometimes things do go well. But in those moments when you're in the face of something huge, not not finding snow, that's not huge, that's small. But I wanted to show how this happens on a daily basis. That's just a very real story about me that's humiliating. (laughs) Took away all my credibility right at the start. Just chucked it, right? Wow, this guy has issues. So (laughs) these are really real decisions on a daily basis that you get to make. Am I going to be awake? Because Jesus is inviting you to come and see what it is that you want, who it is that you are, and what it is that you're doing here. And he loves you, and he promises to always be with you. He doesn't promise to fix your life and make it perfect. That's not the promise, because there are some times when we have to be open to, no, this cup cannot pass from you. It cannot but I love you and I'm with you and I know what it feels like. And you are not alone. What you are feeling is normal. (laughs) And so I want to leave you with that. What is it that you want? Do you want functionality or do you want that loving relationship? And like I said, it's not always one or the other. But you can have functionality without the love. Okay? But the love, it, it, you can have functionality with the love, and you can have no functionality and still have the love. <laughs> you can remain connected to Jesus. And, and little by little, he will begin to reveal more and more of what it is that you actually want, who it is that you actually are, and what it is you're actually doing here. And that is a gift. That is a gift. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, I confess that sometimes I just want things to go the way I want them to go. I want to 
I want life to work out. And when it doesn't, I, I want to jump out of the car, I want to fall asleep, I want to run, I want to disconnect. And so I confess that and ask for your forgiveness. God, I pray for any of my, I ask for any of my brothers and sisters in here, Lord, that are facing some kind of unresolved suffering or pain or unsolvable suffering, Lord, for which, for all the functionality we can produce in our lives, we can't seem to make this thing function. Lord, I pray that they would feel your presence with them in it. Lord, not disconnect. not push it down and try to control it, but to release it and to feel it and to allow you to be with them in it, Lord. To stay awake, to stay awake in the midst of it. Give us strength, Lord, to be awake to each other, to be present to each other in one another's suffering to be in fellowship. And Lord, not to just strive for a life of functionality, but for a life of love and connectedness to the greatest force in the entire universe, that love that comes from you, Jesus. Lord, give us the strength to follow so that we might see. In Jesus' name, amen.